0: Welcome to Animal Tales Podcast, episode number 10. We're here at SPCA Tampa Bay. And when I say we, Eric Keaton, and my wish has come true. In the last episode, I talked about Dr. Sharon Pendar, our shelter doc, our shelter veterinarian. She's here, welcome.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: This is going to be great. A lot of great topics that we have to talk about. But first, wanna remind everybody to subscribe to the channel only seven percent of you that watch the podcast are subscribed 93 percent of you are not
1: 93 93 <laughs> relax uh.
0: what's that number again 93 93 93 <laughs> 93. Now, all of our other stuff on YouTube, it's a much even split, but the podcasts, a lot of people are watching, they just don't subscribe, but they will after this one. All right. Dr. Pendar, I would like to start out every Animal Tales podcast with who are you and how did you find SPCA Tampa Bay?
1: Um, so I graduated from the University of Florida in 2014, go Gators, uh, started off in general practice, uh, here in the Clearwater area for a few years, and then, uh, spent a couple of years down at, uh, Southeastern Guide Dogs, um, working there, um, And it was a heck of a commute um, because I I live over here, uh, Madeira Beachside. So when I saw that there was a position for the director of shelter medicine, I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring and I've been here ever since. It's uh, celebrated three years in March.
0: Awesome. So we're both, I'm going on my fourth year in September. Three years, that means you've been here with us when covid Yes, twenty nineteen animals increase the the ebb and flow uh, between wildlife mm-hmm. and domestic pets as well. Yeah. So, how many people are on the medical team staff?
1: Currently, we have um, our director of animal services, who kind of oversees the department. Uh, we have the our manager, uh, foster coordinator, and right now I think twelve or thirteen. Uh, vet techs. Um, so they, I mean, we're a robust team. I work with incredible people. I am so lucky to be supported by all of them. And I'm that's
0: taking care of up to $8,000, $8,000, 8,000 animals for more a year, including wildlife. But we would like your dollars. Sometimes Matt puts on a QR code. So if you want to click on that baby, you know, we'll take $93 or $25. I mean, it goes right to our philanthropy department helps take care of our animals. So there's a big difference between veterinary medicine here at the shelter and private pets like I would have, or people may take their pets uh, to Dr. Mitchell down at our St. Pete Veterinary Center. What's the elevator spiel on that for somebody who goes, oh, you're, you know, where's your practice? No, no, I'm at the shelter. How do you explain that to them?
1: You know, I think it's it's different, but there are also some similarities, um, you know, in general practice, you have a very scheduled day, you have an appointment at 9 a.m., another appointment at, you know, 930, 915, whatever that looks like, um, whereas the shelter um, is structured a little more a little differently. Um, all of our mornings, Monday through Friday, we do surgery, um, which is mostly spay neuter. Um, but it's not just limited to that. We also will do a fair amount of dentistry, um, mass removals, um, if something needs, you know, leg amputated or an eye removed, we'll do that too. Um, so our mornings are scheduled like that. And then our afternoons, um, I do vet exams. So I look at shelter pets that have an illness or an ailment um, that the staff is not able to manage because um, I have a lot of protocols in place that they're able to manage a lot, which is a huge, huge help for me. Um, you know, part of what I was talking about, that great support is it comes from them. Um, but a lot of it in the afternoon is is kind of triage, you know, because of the volume of animals that we have to see. Um, we kind of have to prioritize what's the most urgent, what really needs our, our time and attention right away. And um, so that's kind of the difference between what we do here at the shelter and what you would do in private practice. You don't always have the luxury of triage in private practice to say, hey, Fluffy's vaccines can wait until next week. We've got the sick dog that just came in. Um, we need to work it up. Um, so that that is kind of a, a blessing of being here at the shelter that I can do that. Um, but the, the similarity that I think a lot of people don't realize is that I still have clients. Um, you know, in, in the private practice world, you have, you know, Mrs. Jones and you have her dog Fluffy. Mrs. Jones is the client, Fluffy's the patient. Um, but here, you know, I see my clients as the management team. I see my, my clients as the staff that are taking care of these animals, feeding them, cleaning them. Mm-hmm. And so I, that I have to take into consideration um, every decision that I make impacts them and, and our community, the, the adopters, the people surrendering their That's pets. Right. Um, they are all my clients too. Yeah.
0: And you and your staff, well, the whole organization has unique challenge here at the shelter when receiving those animals because wildlife, coming from somebody's backyard, don't have any history. Transfer, hoping that uh, Caitlin receives some history uh, unless they were during a hurricane and that transfer happened. And then you have surrenders where sometimes it's a hit or miss. Somebody could have a lot of history because they took their pet to their doctor every year but most of them are like, it's, it's word of mouth. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you deal with that? Are you starting over with some of the pets or with your experience and your team's experience, you kind of get a vibe and you, you start to see similarities?
1: You know, I think it's kind of a blessing and a curse not having previous history because um, sometimes history can kind of confuse things. You know, there's peace from here, peace from there. This is kind of conflicting, doesn't, you know, go along with what I'm seeing in the animal. Um, so, you know, I take what comes at me and I just kind of roll with it. Um, if there's no history, then I just start with a basic physical exam and I go from there. And there's really just so much you can learn just from being observant and, you know, paying attention to what what's in front of you. Um, And if I can gather some information, you know, kind of feel like a detective looking through the paperwork, kind of figuring things out, then that's great too. Um, I think part of what makes this field really rewarding. And what has what I have found gets me through every day is I don't come into any day with an expectation or an agenda. And so I'm never upset by the surprises or the things that don't go as expected or the things that I don't have information for. Um, and I think it just kind of makes it fun once you start to look at it that way.
0: Any animals stand out recently or within the last uh, three years that uh, you could share with our listeners and viewers on YouTube? only seven percent subscribe
1: um oh my gosh there's so many um we've had some several opportunities i can think of just this year of um, families that have had a pet that was injured hit by a car um, that had a an injury that they could not afford to treat because um, mm. veterinary care is is rising significantly and that is definitely something we're seeing will cause people to surrender their pets. They just can't afford to take care of them. Um, And so it's been rewarding in some of those cases to be able to treat those animals. Um, The two that I'm thinking of um, needed their legs amputated because they were beyond repair. Um, And one was a cat we were actually able to return to the family that uh, had originally surrendered it to us. So it was nice to be able to do that for the community, to take in this animal, help make it better. And um, to one of them got adopted and the other one went back to its original family, which was great.
0: So I want to back up a little bit. What was the point when Dr. Pendar, before Dr. Pendar was going to school said, you know what, I'm going to be a pet doctor. When did that light bulb go off and that passion start
1: to be a vet. Um, I am a lot of us vets call ourselves early identifiers. Um, I would say probably 90% of us knew before we were seven or eight years old, um, Mm. that we wanted to be vets. And, and for me, I was four years old and, um, my dad, uh, would find injured birds on his, uh, delivery <laughs> routes and bring them home. And he taught me how to, um, get them better and how to release them. And I think it was really hard for me as a child to love something that much and then watch it leave. Um, but the feeling that you get of knowing that you've helped something, um, move on in its life, um, is just really, really rewarding. And that was the moment I knew I wanted to be a vet.
0: Yeah. So, uh, how do you, get more folks into this type of business, especially on the the veterinarian side, because we've had numbers uh, from Lincoln Memorial University, who's been on the podcast before, their staff, just trying to recruit more people to get into the program to help because the the field, it's not like human medicine, from what I understand, where there's more going into that side.
1: There's definitely a lot of enthusiasm from uh, one of the great things about working here is I, I work with a fairly young staff and they're all so enthusiastic and passionate mm-hmm. about learning. Um, a lot of them came into our department without any previous uh, veterinary experience. And it's been so great to be a part of their journey and their growth and then to hear them training the next person and all the things that they've learned and absorbed, absorbed has been so great. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of of enthusiasm and passion. Um, I think we just need to be able to continue to support people through that and through the difficulties and the challenges they might face as they move on through their careers um, to get them to continue to sustain the field.
0: So thank you for that. I, I think your department uh, here at the shelter definitely uh, impacts the people and, and the pets and as they move through uh, the shelter medicine and then onto the adoption floor but you also recently um, have been involved with the community talk a little bit about that mentorship program that you're involved in because I saw the pictures yet to see the the video probably matt's going to roll in in some video that is an incredible event that just happened in uh, prior to summer at Raymond James Stadium. Could you share that with us?
1: Yes, uh, it was really an awesome opportunity. Um, It was the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. Um, They reached out to us. Um, They put on a fashion show every year as a part of their um, annual fundraiser to raise money for pediatric cancer research. And um, as a part of the fashion show, they also sponsor children um, with cancer and they ask them uh, what they want to be when they grow up. And uh, then they try to find role models from the community to be in the fashion show with them um, and they can to dress up as what they want to be when they grow up. Uh, it was such a cool event. Um, you know, as you can imagine with children ranging from two to 18, um, we had, you know, some role models that were ballerinas and, uh, we had, there were hockey players. Uh, yeah. there were, um, guys from the, the Tampa Bay lightning there. Um, it was really cool. Um, our little girl, her name was Kyla. Um, she wanted to be a vet and she, uh, also, uh, in addition to requesting to, to meet some veterinarians also requested that they bring their dogs. Um, So my husband and I brought our two dogs, um, one of which was six months old at the time. So uh, kind of a wild card. I wasn't sure how he was going to be, but he was great. Um, And the kids just loved the dogs. Um, It was a really incredible uh, emotional event, but it was really Mm -hmm. great to be a part of it.
0: How many uh, off the top of your head do you uh, think kids were there being mentored? Because it Mm looked looked like a fashion runway. It I was, mean, it was yeah. it was awesome.
1: Yeah, I want to say it was maybe like 20 to 25 kids, um but you know, they were all there with their families and other supporters and you know, each one of them they you know had like a posse and you know, there was they had actual models there. It was it mm-hmm. was like a whole very well put on, well organized event.
0: I'm sure they met their their fundraising uh goal.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I certainly hope so.
0: So, obviously your pets are fortunate to have uh, you as a veteran, your husband's a, a doctor too, right?
1: Yes. 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 Oh, that
0: That is awesome. So yeah. your pets are very fortunate for those of us who have to go to the vet. What are some of the, uh, what do you recommend for your own personal pet? How often should we get them to, um, their own pet clinic? I'm asked quite often, Hey, Eric, how often do you take, but I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, Hey, just like yourself, at least once a year, what does the vet say?
1: Um, I have been a little out of the general practice world for a while, but I think at least once a year is good. I think if it's a senior pet, they are recommending every six months just because they age faster than we do. And so there's a lot of things that can change um, in a pretty short span of time. Um, There are certain vaccines that they need to get once a year. um, And then depending on their lifestyle, they might need to get them every six months. Um, And then past a certain age, Blood work is ideal um, just to check on their liver and kidneys and thyroid function, um, just to make sure that everything is working and you know that we don't need to do any sort of preventative maintenance for them.
0: Yeah, and it's hot outside right now. So I know it's um, pretty big here at the shelter. We're fortunate that some of our volunteers get here early in the morning to walk some of our dogs. Pavement's already getting hot. There are probably some, uh, we tape this usually in the afternoon, pavement's starting to get hot. What information could you share, because I know it's been shared with our volunteers here, how to keep animals safe when they're outside during this heat?
1: Um, So there's a number of different things you can do. I think ideally, if you're walking your pet, you should be walking them pretty early in the morning or or pretty late in the evening. If it feels too hot for you, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not covered in long hair, that's, you know, that makes it a lot hotter. Um, I think it's also kind of a good rule of thumb when you're walking on pavement with a dog um, to put your palm down on the pavement. If it's too hot for your palm, it's too hot for your dog. So try to find a different surface to walk on that might not get so hot. And then just providing like different types of of treats and things that can help to cool them down. I know with my dog, sometimes I'll put um, some of his toys just in the freezer. So after a walk, we'll, we'll let him chew on that and it's cold. Um, Mm -hmm. Or they have like different cooling pads that you can put down that your dog can lay on to stay cool and just kind of watch your dog. I mean, I think every dog, depending on their age and their weight and their health status has different abilities to process the heat. Um, And if it looks like they're really having a hard time, then get them inside, get get in, some air conditioning, you know, get them to lay on the tile and um, just let them cool yeah. off and have some water.
0: Yeah, go on walks, take water with you, water for yourself, water, yes. water yeah. for your, your pet as well. And for my goodness, if you go to the grocery store and you have your pet with you, please take it inside if they'll let you. You can't leave these animals inside. Yeah. The car. Yeah. I mean,
1: oh gosh, yeah. What
0: what would you you do if if you saw that? Because for me, I'm I'm looking. I go in and I have not researched this, but for me, I go in and I'm like, look, we need to make an announcement. Somebody needs yeah. to go out there and, and make an announcement here at Publix or whatever and get them back outside. Cause I don't care if you went in for coffee filters, odds are you're gonna go and the coffee filters are not gonna be replenished from overnight. And now, you know.
1: A quick trip turns into a much longer one. Yeah, I, I, can't, I have never had that happen to me, but um, I think maybe, this day and age, just double check that the car's not running because a lot of people have the capacity mm-hmm. yeah. to leave the car yeah. running with air conditioning yeah. um but yeah, I mean I would do what you do and go inside and see if someone can make an announcement and try to stay by the animal and you know I don't know if it gets bad enough call the fire department I don't know but yeah. Yeah. um cars can get really hot really quickly in Florida in the summertime and
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I think there's been whoever's putting the you know, the public service announcements out there is yeah. doing a great job. I think there's been a big push not to do that.
0: Yeah. We've done that uh, before with the city of St. Pete, uh, part of the mayor's service. And you're right. I mean, if it's like 80 degrees, it's probably 105 in the car with the, and it's going to keep climbing uh, when with the windows rolled up. And yeah, you don't want to be that nosy neighbor, but at the same time you're like, come on people. Yeah, It gets hot. Heck, you can go outside in the parking lot during lunch. And if you're just sitting in there yourself wanting to listen to the radio, try it. It will get hot in about two minutes. You'll be Mm -hmm. like, I'm rolling down the windows. I don't care if it's 90 degrees outside. (laughs) But I just want to sit in the car and listen to the radio. Okay. So it's also hurricane season.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, We have a big push right now with our veterinary center. Get your pet, have a plan, microchips. What else can you add to that for folks getting ready for hurricane season when they have their pets at home?
1: I think everything is preparation, Um, you know, not just with pets, just any general hurricane planning. So know what zone you're you're in. Know uh, when and if you're gonna need to evacuate. If you are in an area that's probably going to evacuate, then have a plan for where you're gonna go and where your pets are gonna go, because yeah. not every shelter is pet friendly. Um, have a copy of uh, medical records and vaccination records, um, whether that's digital or or print. Um, you know, always have that accessible somewhere where you can grab it. Um, and just just like we stock up, you know, extra food for us, stock up extra food and medications for them too.
0: Yeah. I always like to add if you're planning on getting out of Dodge, like out of the state and heading up north, you know, to have that plan ready and research some of those hotels you may stay at. See if they're pet friendly. Um, Because some of them may be for the little chihuahua, but not for the big St. Bernard, if that's your uh, animal of choice. Or they may be dog people and not cats. Mm -hmm. Um, It just depends. Dr. Pendar, what else uh, can we add to this podcast about shelter medicine here at SPCA Tampa Bay?
1: What else can we add? Um, really, it's just great to be a part of this community. Um, you know, when I first started here, I heard a lot of "for all, for all," mm-hmm. um, and it took time to really absorb what that meant and to just really become a part of that culture. And uh, I think what makes it so great is. We work in a culture where we don't judge people. We don't judge our community. We support each other through what we learn, through our mistakes, through everything. Um, And I think that just fosters so much productive learning and um, just so much good growth. And it's just a lot of good stuff.
0: We are for all shapes, sizes, species. And when I thought about that, Species? How many species do you think uh, you've been able to assist here?
1: Oh wow! Can you count? Can you
0: mean, uh, more than two well,
1: I mean, definitely. We do surgery on dogs, cats, and rabbits pretty yeah. regularly. But um, I've also done surgery on uh, possums. I did a bearded dragon surgery one time. Uh, we we take in snakes, turtles. We've got guinea pigs. Uh, done, you know, surgery on goats and pigs. Um, pretty much everything you name it, we will. Do our Anything best with our iguanas?
0: Because to... I know some of them on occasion.
1: I have not done surgery yeah. on our iguanas, but yeah, we do um, take care of them. They get medications, mm-hmm. they get injections, they get exams. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's quite a variety that we get to.
0: And the possum was quite cooperative.
1: The possum was under anesthesia. So yes, she was very cooperative. Always. <laughs>
0: I should be under anesthesia after that question. <laughs> Anything else to add, doctor? You've been wonderful.
1: Uh, no, just uh, continue to donate to this great cause and this great organization. Um, I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. And uh, I'm really excited for this podcast that you're putting together.
0: Yeah. Any shout outs for your team? Because they're amazing. They oh do my amazing gosh. work. Every time I go yeah. in there, they, they just always seem busy. The work never ends for them.
1: Yeah, You know, whenever people find out that I'm the only veterinarian on this campus, they're always so surprised and they, you know, they ask me like, how do you do it? You're all by yourself. And my response is I'm absolutely not by myself. I have a great team. The leadership around me is has been incredible. They've mentored me. They've taught me so much. Um, and even like some of the community vets in this area that, you know, know a little bit more about birds than I do. Um, I've just, I felt so supported. Never felt like I'm, I'm on an island here. I'm, I'm part of a great community.
0: Well, congratulations. We're glad to have you. Glad to have the entire medical team. Thanks for joining us. Episode number 10. Thanks. Stay with us. Your best friend deserves the best care. Book an appointment today with the SPCA Tampa Bay Veterinary Center, a state-of-the-art facility with a state-of-the-art staff and state-of-the-art patients, too. All your pet health needs in one location, accepting new patients today. Call 727 Two two zero seventeen seventy. right, here we go. Time now for Barking News on episode number 10 of the Animal Tales Podcast brought to you by SBCA Tampa Bay. A lot of events to talk about. If you missed them on the last episode, they're pretty much the same, but they get bigger every time. We have a kitten shower coming up July 8th with the City of Largo. Please go to our website, go to the events page. We will have the information. I mean, it is a banquet of everything that is a kitten shower. You want to learn how to foster. You want to learn how to take care of the kittens. You want to donate stuff for kittens. I mean, think of a bridal shower, but it's for kittens. I mean, they're going to put everything. It's an all-inclusive kitten shower. Uh, Pride event coming up. uh, Last weekend of June, they have the parade. Our team will be out there with our float on Sunday. They will have a community event where it's able to walk up and down the street and visit SPCA Tampa Bay and our staff from the Veterinary Center. uh, We'll also have special Pride t-shirts on sale. Of course, you buy those. It's like a donation to SPCA Tampa Bay, and that's a good thing. Uh, End of August, that last weekend, it's Clear the Shelters Crescendo weekend, and we are going to start it off that Friday. Rays, Yankees, SPCA Tampa Bay will be set up on that Friday night at the Rays game. Of course, Rays and Yankees will probably sell out. Stay tuned, because we are going to have tickets to sell. And what does that mean? Donations to SPCA Tampa Bay. Remember, I was talking with Dr. Pindar earlier. Eight thousand animals a year. She sees her, her and her team see a lot of them to get them to the adoption floor, or in case they're wildlife, get them back out into their natural habitat. Saturday, August 26th will be our Clear clear the Shelters event. That's always an adoption event. So if an animal that you see on the website today is a couple hundred bucks, uh, it will be zero bucks that day. Uh, Right now, probably more than 100 animals on the adoption floor. That's why we clear the shelter and get ready because I've said it once, I've said it too many times, end of August, into September, it's hurricane peak season, and in case we need help or we need to help another shelter during hurricane season, we need to clear uh, out our for-all shelter. Okay, that will do it, except for one more reminder. Folks, only 7% of you are subscribed. I said it at the beginning of the episode number 10, and I'll say it again, 93% of you
1: 93, 93. <laughs>
0: are not subscribed, and you are watching the podcast. Get subscribed, or I'll play Steve Carell over and over again. Relax. For every single podcast. So we have to change that number and get that 93 lower. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dr. Pendar. My name's Eric Keaton, and we'll see you on the next Animal Tales podcast.